0: Welcome to the Knowing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bachman, a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we explore who the real Jesus is with his love, with his power, and with his endless pursuit of humanity with the hope of changing our lives. Today, we're reading John chapter 6, verses 22 through 59. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still do not you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. As usual, there's so much going on in this short passage we've read today. This story has a strong link to an earlier passage in the Old Testament. After being delivered from Egypt, the Israelites were traveling in the desert. As one can imagine, there's not much food in the desert, and so God miraculously provided manna from heaven to feed his people. But instead of being grateful, instead of being in awe, instead of being thankful— that God is providing for Israel, quickly the Israelites grumbled. They complained. Instead of being shocked and amazed that the Lord of heaven, who just delivered them from Egypt, who just before their eyes destroyed the greatest nation's army in the world at that time, start doubting and questioning and complaining to God. They accuse him and say that he's brought them to the desert just to die. And then after he feeds them with manna, They complain that the manna isn't good enough and they need other variety of food and they should might as well be slaves back in Egypt so they can have garlic and spices and onions instead of being provided for by their father who has delivered them from slavery. Now before we get too judgmental and harsh on the Israelites, we have to realize that they again are a mirror into our own hearts. They are the archetype of humanity. God provides for us to this day. He does miracles and wonderful things to this day for us. And I and you and we all so quickly forget them. We so quickly complain. We so quickly look for the next need that isn't going to be satisfied, that we doubt God is going to show up in. And we complain and we get frustrated and we blame him. So back to our text in the New Testament. Jesus is making a parallel that he is the true bread that came down from heaven. The Israelites should have been thankful and grateful for the bread that they received and they grumbled. And Jesus is now the true fulfillment because even though even some Israelites, let's say, that were faithful and trusting and accepted the bread, they still hungered. That bread wasn't eternal. That bread wasn't spiritual bread. It was a miracle, but it wasn't the fulfillment that they needed for their souls. Jesus, on the other hand, is a different kind of bread, a bread that doesn't spoil, a bread that fills the need of the soul for human beings. And yet, the Israelites in Jesus' time, just like the ones from the past, and just like us humans today, miss the point. They just wanted to be fed by Jesus. They just wanted the bread that he provided from the material possession and goods that he gave them instead of the actual spiritual transformation and wholeness that he was actually offering. I believe it's C.S. Lewis, and I'm paraphrasing here, the idea that our desires are too small. We settle for very basic primitive garbage instead of going after the full meal that God wants to give us. And speaking of this full meal, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus refers to himself metaphorically as bread. Food, something that human beings need every single day. We need food, we need water. He compares himself in different parts of John to food and water. The living water, now the living bread. Human beings cannot survive without food and water. And Jesus is making it clear, you cannot survive without me. To be my children, to be my father's children, you need to be connected to me daily. And that does not mean if you're not connected to Jesus daily, you are now cut off from the family. It means how significant that we as children need him to dwell in him, to shine the love and light of Christ. We cannot be Christians out of our own power. We cannot be good. We cannot be kind or loving out of our own strength or power. God's love is so much different than the world's love. The world's love is conditional. The world's love can be here today and gone tomorrow. You can be canceled. You can be hated because of a mistake. God's love says that no matter what you do, you're going to be pursued. And sought and redemption will be sought instead of destroying human beings. God's love says, love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Do not hate them. Do not seek vengeance. Do not try to shame them or hurt them. God says, bless and pray and love your enemies. God's love is so much different than the world's love. And God's love can only be accomplished by abiding in him. He is our daily bread, our daily drink. And without him, we cannot be sustained. As we will see later, Jesus refers himself also as a vine. And we are fruit that needs to be connected to the vine, the plant. Any gardener knows that if the fruit or parts of the plant aren't connected, it's going to die really quickly. It won't grow. It won't ripen. It won't reach its fullest potential, its taste, its nutrition, its life-giving properties. The fruit has to be connected to the vine to fulfill its purpose. I can almost imagine listeners saying, well, Brian, that sounds great. How do I connect to Jesus as the vine? How do I see him as my daily bread and my daily drink? These are excellent questions. And I'm curious to hear how other people accomplish this. But for me and my experience, meditation on who he is has been the most helpful tool That is, again, why I'm doing this podcast for myself and for other people, because it's a sense of accountability that on a fairly regular basis, almost daily basis, I am thinking about God's word. I am processing it. I am trying to apply it. I'm curious about it. In the Old Testament, there is a phrase that says, chew on God's word like a cow chews grass. For the noun cow farmer or acquainted with cow listener, you may be like, what the heck does that mean? I don't know why I know this, but cows have six to seven stomachs. Sorry, and I don't remember. And they chew grass. Sorry, this is gross. And basically regurgitate it to chew it again. They chew grass over and over and over again. And this strange metaphor is what God uses for us in his word, that we should chew on it and think about it and remind ourselves of it again and chew on it again and digest it and let it become part of us. So meditating on who God is, his principles, how much we need him, and creating space. None of this is possible without space and intentionality whether that's quietness at home, a drive on the way to work, creating time and space where you're not worried and distracted by other things, where you can quiet your soul and your mind and just connect and reflect on who God is. And all of these principles, just like in psychology, they're like muscles that have to be developed. You don't start running, uh, training for a marathon and just run the marathon day one. You have to practice and build and grow. If you're weight training, you have to increase weight slowly over time. It's consistency that leads to muscle strength. So in closing, I encourage you today and really this week, if you're able, to reflect on how much you need Jesus. The Bible is so upside down to us. It encourages us to embrace and own and identify our weaknesses so that we can take them to God and see that we need him. Just because we live in a modern society with incredible technological advances doesn't mean we're any less fragile and any less in need of our God. Are we insecure? Do we feel dumb, forgetful, weak? Whatever it is, taking it to God and asking him to be your sustenance and help you. I can speak from personal experience as a person with a number of learning disabilities and I can often feel just like an idiot. And when that is where it stops, I get defensive and frustrated and discouraged. But when I take my weaknesses to God, it takes the weight and burden off of my shoulders because I say, Lord, you know... I want to understand, you know I want to try to connect with people, you know I want to serve you, help me. And I put the burden back on him instead of thinking that I need to be self-sufficient, which is not possible. So I wonder if you can take a different perspective with your weaknesses and let them be a reminder of how much you need God and how much he wants to meet you in them and albeit sometimes uncomfortable, frustrating lessons that he wants to teach you things more about himself and others, and how to love more like Christ through them. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.